I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's that time of the week. It's doggy pod time. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Doggy Pod, and if this is your first time listening, well, you've got a lot of episodes to catch up on and lots of information for you. I'm Dr. Rob Zammett. And I'm producer Stephen Peters, and in this episode we're talking about doggy transplants, amongst other things. Can your dog get a new kidney? And I'm going to tell you how to stop your dog scratching itself too much. We'll talk about dog whistles. What are they? And more importantly, do they work? And just how wet should your dog's nose be and why? And we'll also talk doggy acupuncture. Yep, doggy acupuncture. Is that a thing? We'll find out a little bit later in the show. And our celebrity dog owner this week is rugby league superstar Nathan Hindmarsh. But firstly, let's talk about what's been happening in the clinic this week, Rob. Well, I know we've talked about them in the past, but ticks are going to be a big problem. The 2020-2021 season of ticks promises, unfortunately, to be severe. We've already had six cases in late winter, early spring at Vineyard, and that's just unheard of at this time of year in this area. Other people are reporting the same thing. There are ticks about what your children and your dogs, because each year some children are admitted to the children's hospital with tick paralysis, so be careful. Watch yourselves as well, but check your dogs. Even if you have them on medication or have them on tick collars, whatever it is, make sure you keep checking them because you'll be surprised. Ticks do overcome some of these chemicals at times, and you don't want to be the one to find out that all of a sudden there's resistance to that particular chemical by ticks and your dog is severely affected. If your dog is affected, they'll develop a cough very often and they start becoming weak in the back legs. They actually get paralyzed even in the back legs and can't even get up. If that occurs, get them to the vet as soon as possible. They've been trained how to locate the tick and also how to treat it. They have to treat it with tick antiserum to try and overcome the tick poison and sometimes they even have to put your dog on a ventilator 
while it's overcoming the toxemia from the paralysis. So, so the first thing somebody would notice is their dog limping or not, not getting not, around Not even easily. limping, they just can't get up in the back legs too well. Yeah. You know, they have trouble with the back legs, they can't coordinate. That's often the first symptom. Uh, others will notice the cough first. We had one, a poodle that came in and it was coughing and bringing up white sputum. Wasn't actually what's called ataxic. That's when they can't coordinate. Didn't have that till later on. And that, as soon as we saw that, we said, oh, okay, this is a tick case. Because it was wintertime, we weren't expecting it. We've seen several cases and we're very concerned that it's going to be a bad tick season. Let's have our quiz question for this week. What was the record for the tallest dog in the world? Was it 105 centimetres, 82 centimetres, 155 centimetres or 111 centimetres? The answer a little bit later. And what sort of dog was it? Well, no prizes for guessing. It was a Great Dane. But you'll find out just how tall that Great Dane grew shortly. Okay, let's get into it. Heaven forbid uh, our precious dog gets ill. Of course, we all hate that. But is there such a thing as transplants in the canine world, Rob? Oh, very much so. Um, In fact, look, this is going to sound harsh, but they started doing transplants in dogs before they went to people. They used dogs, I guess, as the guinea pigs, which sounds horrible, but I guess it saved a lot of human lives. However, it's also given us a lot of information about doggy transplants and can they be done. The, before we even get into can they be done or are they done anywhere, you have to think about the ethics of it. You know, you're putting a donor dog through a lot of surgery. You certainly, I don't know anyone that would do a heart transplant in a dog, for example, because you have to put another dog to sleep to get that heart. So that's never going to happen. You know, people won't destroy one dog to just take its heart and put it into another dog. Kidney transplants are different. And the ethics of that, a lot of places that do it say, look, we will look for a dog that suits your dog and do a kidney transplant, but you have to give the donor dog a forever home. It's usually an unwanted dog uh, that they're going to use, but that goes into a forever home with the dog that's the recipient so the two dogs become friends hopefully that's the idea there is ethics that you have to think about that people don't consider at times because these dogs do they want to be a donor possibly not Uh, (laughs) do they have to be the same breed no they don't and that's the other thing the uh in, in auburn the university of auburn now that's not auburn in australia it's auburn in america uh people might remember the auburn tigers they won the uh the big football match last year. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm no, sure I don't they remember, remember that. that. No. <laughs> uh, right. yeah. But um, they did a study which showed some uh, no long-term effects with donations from one dog to another, and they used drugs that were able to, and a technique that was able to stop long-term drug uh, infusion in the recipient. You're usually when you're a recipient, you're on drugs for the rest of your life they were able to formulate a methodology where they could take one kidney, put it in the other dog, short-term medications, and then both dogs live happily afterwards. The biggest problem with them, of course, are uh, blood clots. There's one report that says it has a high mortality rate uh, transplants in dogs, but the Auburn study showed quite different results. They got very, very good results uh, for the recipient dogs. Why do you do kidney transplants in dogs? Because dogs suffer kidney failure more than they suffer anything else. You know, their 
kidney is vital and we know in in humans we suffer more from heart attacks in dogs they suffer more from chronic kidney disease which kills them and sometimes people do want to keep that dog longer and will consider doing transplants lots of medications your dog can go on to well before a transplant uh, is needed to help kidney support and most people will go down that route rather than thinking oh no I want to do a transplant it's a very 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 expensive exercise and not done very often because like I said one thing you have to think about who's going to be the donor dog and what happens to that donor dog what are there other um, organs that are transplanted from time to time? Um, not many. People rarely do a, a liver transplant in dogs. It's possible, again, but rarely done. It's the expense, I yeah, guess, really. and it's the expense. Kidney transplants are cheaper, but not cheap, uh, than anything else. Uh, so they're the most common organ to be transplanted. As I said, heart and lungs would never be done because you'd have to find a dog and it would have to uh, be put to sleep in some manner, like anesthetized, and then someone would have to take its heart and lung out. Well, that's never going to happen. Mm. It's just wrong morally to do that. So what about acupuncture? Yeah, acupuncture in dogs is fantastic. And what I like about it, you know, people that are not exponents of it and don't believe in it say, oh, you know, acupuncture is just the placebo effect. In truth, and I think that's been well and truly dispelled by now, but in dogs, there's no placebo effect. Of course, they don't know. No, so if it's, if it's working in your dog, it does work. And there's some really good uh, veterinarians that have trained themselves in acupuncture in dogs. I've seen dogs that are unable to walk and you know, modern medicine or you know, Western medicine hasn't worked, so they've gone to an acupuncturist and I've seen them improve. Acupuncture and dogs. That's impressive. That's oh, great. It's been fantastic. Some some really good work. Some great people that are doing acupuncture in the field of veterinary science. Uh, a lot of surgeons. In fact, there's a whole branch of veterinary acupuncture now starting that's um, become a very very big thing in in throughout the world. Not just uh, in Australia, but throughout the world. America has veterinary acupuncturists. England has it. Right through Europe, it's a very very important aspect of. Uh, adjunct therapy in arthritis and even some organ issues, it seems to have helped. So do they need to, I mean, how do you pacify a dog when you're sticking needles in its legs and arms? They are, well, there's two ways of doing it. You can use needles or you can use a laser as well. Laser acupuncture is probably more common in dogs than the needles. So they don't, they don't but, even know no, anything's they, happening. They, don't, they just stand there and they're calm, they're with their owner. The owner will be up the head in, holding them and just, just patting them, not even restraining them, while the acupuncturist does all his his or her work with a, a laser beam. Or if those that do use needles, and I have used needles as well myself, I have done acupuncture, dogs don't worry about They're very fine needles, acupuncture needles, and dogs do not worry about those needles going in and just staying there for a while and just being twirled and stimulated. It stimulates endorphins, it's said to do that, which makes you feel a lot better when that's happening. So we're not too sure exactly how acupuncture works. We know that people have had brain surgery under acupuncture. Yeah, they've only used mm. acupuncture to, to uh, numb the senses and then have brain surgery performed. Quite an amazing feat. And with dogs, they will just stand there and tolerate it. And people say that their dogs are so much happier that the very next day that they've had acupuncture. 
Because that's the thing I, I find difficult to to see is a dog staying still while it's got a whole bunch of needles in its leg <laughs> and just sitting there for, I mean, how long do they need to keep have the needles in generally? Oh, you, usually uh, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. But yeah. the um, remember, it's not a young, rambunctious dog that's jumping around the place that needs acupuncture. It's the older dog that has some problem with it or a young dog that has some problem with it and they're just going to stand there and not uh, fight it at all. They just accept it. Dogs just seem to accept. I mean, the person administering the acupuncture has to have the right um, yeah, persuasion with the dog. He has mm. to be able to talk to the dog and calm the dog down. The owner, too, has to be able to do that and just hold it and gently restrain it if need be. But dogs do just stand there while they're having acupuncture. It's like they know that this is going to help them. You just said something then that made me think of another question I was going to ask you another time, but let's let's ask now. Is there such a thing as, you know, like there are with, there's a horse whisperer. Is there such a thing as a dog whisperer? Is there somebody that like, a, you know, your mate Caesar Milan, <laughs> people like that that really just have some sort of almost spiritual connection with the canine world and can just do things uh, that other people can't do? Or is that just rubbish well look i have people that come in with their dogs and say to me oh you can't go near this dog he'll bite you i said just hand me the lead no no he'll bite you no you'll need to put the muzzle on. i said just hand me the lead and they pass the lead and i said now sit down not the dog you and make them sit down <laughs> call the dog over and talk to the dog if you have the right approach with the dog you can talk the dog into anything and these savage dogs all of a sudden and my nurses will tell you like i've done it over and over again yeah throughout the years i guess i eat live and breathe dogs i love them so much uh, that i've got to understand them and i know the dog that will bite me you know, i know you know when i look at the dog and he's a dog that will have a go regardless of what i do and i'll keep away from him i make my living out of not getting bitten remember <laughs> if i get bitten i can't work i can't make my living so for over 40 years i've been able to do that i've been bitten a few times sure it happens. Really? You've been oh, bitten yeah. a few times? Oh, yeah, a couple of times. It happens. Stitched my hand up once. Um, the dog was in a lot of pain. It was screaming in pain. It bit bit through my hand. Uh, and it wasn't the dog's fault. She was trying to pass a puppy and it was stuck. So I couldn't go to, to the hospital, put a quick couple of stitches in to stop the bleeding so I could do a cesarean on her. And then she was fine. Then she licked me and said sorry. <laughs> in that special way that only dogs can do. Correct. Okay, while we're on the subject of you know, the health of our dogs, um, another thing people say is that a dog with a wet nose is a sign of a healthy dog, and a dry nose means something's wrong. So what's the story? Is that true? And, and why do dogs have wet noses? Yeah, not true. Um, it stems a bit from the old days. Before vaccinations, There was a, there is still a dreadful disease out there. If you don't vaccinate, you will get it, uh, called distemper. You know, distemper still exists. We still see cases of it occasionally. And the other name for distemper is called hard pad because the pads go very, very hard and the nose goes very dry and hard. So in those days, I thought, oh, a dry nose, he's sick. Not true. You know, a dry nose can be a really warm day and the dog's been sunbaking, a little bit dehydrated, hasn't drunk enough today. Uh, just Some dogs will have dry, crusty noses as they get a bit older as well. The reason for the moisture, it's thought to do something with scent. So the moisture captures some of the um, things in the air that, that are you know, sending the scent out, the, the pollens or whatever it is, the oils. 
that will capture it and allow the dog to smell it better. Remember, they live in a world of smells. They have you know, 20 to 40,000 times better smells than we have. So they have this fantastic world that they live in, not like ours where we visualize things. They can actually smell it. And so that's, they say, the reason for the moist nose. But if it's dry, it doesn't mean they're sick. It's not an indicator of, the, oh, the dog's got a high temperature. Not necessarily at all. If it's a constant dry nose and it's rubbing and it's got problems with it, you know, a dog can dig a hole and get a dry nose from digging a hole. Mm. They will do that in the dirt. But if, it, if it's constantly dry and it's cracking and it's got problems, yeah, it can indicate a disease of, of sorts and the vet has to investigate. But don't get too worried if your dog just has a dry nose. Hey, Rob. Hey, Rob. Did you hear that noise? No, I didn't hear anything. That's because you're not a dog. Mm. Dogs have an extraordinary frequency range that they can pick up on that we humans don't. Um, so what's the story? Is you know we, We've heard about dog whistles and things like that and, yeah. and something that you blow that only a dog can hear. That's kind of true, isn't it? Oh, very true. Um, yeah, the average human, there's two things. There's the pitch, you know, whether it's a high pitch or whether it's a low pitch. We prefer the low pitch. Exactly. So dogs, a- average human has a, a range of pitches measured in hertz, and it's around 20,000 hertz that a human can hear up to that. Mm. Dogs can go between 47,000 to 60,000 hertz. So that pitch, that real high pitch that we can't hear, they can certainly hear. And then the other thing that we hear about, of course, is loudness, how, how loud the, the noise is or how soft the noise is. That's measured in decibels. And dogs can, you know, the, we can hear down to what's called zero decibels. Young humans can. Believe me, I can't anymore. Mm-hmm. You could hear to, to zero decibels if you're a young human with good hearing. Dogs can hear negative decibels so they can go to very very low pitches i mean we all hear loud decibels we all hear that yeah but dogs can go to extremely low decibel sounds and hear them that things that we certainly can never pick up on so what is the point of a dog whistle why does a dog whistle exist oh well i guess to attract the dog and nothing else you know people use it to again yeah it's, it's something that the dog's not listening to all the time these high-pitched noises but if it hears it from the owner and it also you can't just blow it and expect the dog to respond and come to you because you blow a whistle yeah they'll be inquisitive and wonder why but if you say blow it and say good dog or blow it and give them a treat depending on what their drive is or blow it and play with the dog then when the dog's away and you blow it the dog thinks oh i can hear that that's mum or dad calling me for a treat or a play or just a pat you know the dog's each dog has a different uh, thing that turns it on, be it food, be it a pat, be it a play, whatever it is. Uh, you've got to make sure that you associate the two things together for the dog's sake. So he's just blowing the whistle and expecting the dog to come every time. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, what, no. uh, you need to still establish you have a to, routine yeah, with that Absolutely. You have, to understand, you, know, you have to understand that the dog, yeah, it'll be inquisitive because you can hear it the first time. But if you keep blowing it, it's just like someone you know, saying blah, 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 blah to you all the time. The dog's going to say, oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> now, a little bit of trivia for people who remember. I remember a band called The Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Going back a long way. Anyway, they had a song called, uh, they recorded a song called A Day in the Life, which has a frequency in it that only dogs can hear. 
In a 2013 interview, Paul McCartney said that he added the frequency just so dogs could hear it at the end of the Beatles song, A Day in the Life. So uh, I'd love to play it for you now, but we'd probably get sued, so I can't do that. But if you... um, if you can track that down on uh, Spotify or wherever you listen to music, uh, play the song A Day in the Life and towards the end, just see if your dog uh, has any sort of reaction to it. Could be an interesting. Because Paul McCartney was, was a great or is a great dog lover. And what he, breed does he have? I when don't we know. make the second quiz question, we'll answer it now. He has <laughs> old English sheepdogs. I guess that suits an Englishman, but he loves old English sheepdogs, has quite a few of them. What, always has had? Always or? has had. Paul McCartney, for, for many, many years, even since when he was a kid, had old English sheepdogs. Beautiful breed. I mean, they're such a loving, loyal breed. I can understand why he loves them so much. Well, of course, you've got lots of old English sheepdogs. And, oh, and yes. I've often told you how many we've got. Two. Many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love them. They, they are just very, very gorgeous, loving, loyal dogs. Now, my dog is a lot like most dogs, I think, and that is she seems to be always scratching herself all the time, having a good old scratch, sometimes quite vigorously. Um, Is that bad, Rob, that dogs scratch themselves all the time? And why exactly do they do it? Is it it a a skin ailment or they just like a good scratch? Whole books have been written on this subject, On dog scratching. Yeah, because it's a (laughs) real problem. It's dermatitis, usually. You see... Why is it bad for them, for a dog to scratch? Believe it or not, you have billions of bacteria on your skin now, Stephen. No, I don't. I've I've just had a shower. I'm squeaky clean. They are all over you. They're all over all of us. They're all over our dogs as well. And they're happy, normal, non-pathogenic bacteria. In other words, they do no harm. However, when you scratch and traumatize your skin, and if you keep on doing it, the bacteria go into your skin, not on your skin, they become what's called opportunistic pathogens. In other words, they become bad bacteria, the real baddies, and they start attacking you. They get into your skin and cause more inflammation, which makes you scratch more. Why does the dog scratch in the first place? It can be a multitude of reasons, but it's usually allergy-driven. It can be parasites on the outside, things like fleas. Of course, most dogs are allergic to fleas, and fleas will make them scratch. It can be uh, plant allergies, very common one of the worst grasses, and it's the most common grass in Australia, is buffalo grass. Mm. The old buffalo grass was rough and tough, and I remember playing it as a kid. You come up in all these little hives on your skin. So they made soft-leaf buffalo, called it hypoallergenic, but it's still buffalo, and dogs still scratch when they lay in it very often. Vines are bad for your dog scratching, any vines. Jasmine, ivy, wandering dew, all these vines, morning glory, they are all bad. Potato vine, I don't care what it is, vines cause dogs to scratch a lot. They release a lot of pollens and they cause that. Then there are food allergies as well. Generally, there's a thing called atopy, which is just, atopy says your dog's allergic to things in the air and in the environment. And we, you can't work them all out. You can have skin tests done by specialist dermatologists to try and work out all the things that your dog's allergic to. And sometimes they can take uh, all that information, develop a a special immunization, if you like, for your dog, so that they keep on injecting your dog every, just like they do with humans, every week to start with and every two weeks and every month to try and make the dog's immune system stop acting against that allergen so much. It's It's called desensitization. 
doesn't always work just before you rush out and spend all your money on desensitization. It's not a cheap process, so discuss it with your veterinarian before you do it. The other alternatives to, uh, yeah, you've got to take the dog out of the environment a bit. That can help if you can take it out of the environment, but that's usually impractical. Then you've got to talk to your vet about what drugs to control allergies when they are very, very bad. Because skin problems are horrendous, especially in summer with dogs. There are a couple of new drugs which don't affect uh, the dog, doesn't have side effects from, for the dogs. When they work, they are fantastic. Uh, the, the two drugs, one's a monthly injection called Cytopoint. The other one's a daily tablet called Apoquil. Both excellent drugs when they work to stop allergies. Otherwise, your vet has to uh, refer to things like cortisone, which can stop the allergy, but has very, very bad side effects. And you try and avoid that. And then if your dog's constantly scratching and infected, of course, they have to be on intermittent antibiotics. Washers can help. You know, people say, oh, I've used the wash, but it hasn't cured it, it hasn't fixed it. No, it's not going to fix it. It will help. The other things that can help are things like evening primrose oil, omega oils in some instances. Um, coconut oil has become very popular and seems to work in some dogs. These help. They don't stop the allergy. They just help with the skin, controlling the skin. The issue with, yeah, it sounds like pretty simple dog scratching, let's fix it. It is complex. It is multi-layered. You've got, you know, you've got bacteria, you've got all the allergens, you've got all sorts of Im immune uh, pro problems with the dog. It goes on and on. And truthfully, if your dog's bad, talk to your veterinarian because they are suffering if they're scratching all the time. Because all it, dogs scratch, and I yep. guess it's just whether, yeah, if, if it's a problem. And yeah, some of my dogs don't scratch because I do it for them. Yeah, they they enjoy a nice massage and a little oh, bit of a scratch. Yeah, yes. so I do that for them, and and I promise you, I do. I really do. People say you're kidding me. No, I love my dogs, and they love me. And why wouldn't I just give them a little massage and a little scratch here and there? Everybody does the little scratch on the on the rump of the dog, and the dogs, mm, I love it. Well. I tend to go a bit further all over the body. They get a massage and enjoy it. So a little bit of a scratch, no big deal. Constant scratch. The dog can, the bacteria in the skin, when they get into causing infection, they'll eventually get into the bloodstream and cause problems in the dog as well. So don't let it go on. Get something done about it. Okay, it's time for a quick chat with our celebrity dog lover this week. And it's rugby league tough guy and retired superstar now, Mr. Nathan Hindmarsh. Now, he was an Australian international. He's a state of origin player. He played for the Parramatta Eels. And in fact, he holds the record for the most games with the club. So I guess if nothing else, he's loyal, just like his dogs who he loves to bits. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not talking just to a footballer. I'm talking to a machine, Nathan Hindmarsh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest player to ever play the sport of rugby league. Welcome to the Doggy Pod, Nathan. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me on. Oh, mate, we're honoured. You're the first player to, to reach, and I say machine, you're the first player to reach 10,000 tackles uh, ever, and then 12,000 tackles a couple of years later. You were International Player of the Year in 2004. Uh, you, you started in 1998, didn't you? went on for 14 years, so you had to keep yourself very fit. <laughs> and, and also mentally sane. So did your dogs help you with that? Um, they do. They do, actually. Um, it does take their... Having four dogs at home at the moment, it does take your mind off for a lot of things, especially, well, now that I've retired from rugby league, getting home from work at night, 
and you're hoping that the the kids have put the dogs out where they're supposed to go and they haven't, so you've got to do it all when you get home. So they, they, <laughs> <laughs> they're keeping me busy, especially when the British Bulldogs are, are pushing now, 30, 30 kilos and the kids can't get them up. So, now, yeah. now this worries me, of course. Like You played for Parramatta Leagues Club, and I've always said if I was a coach, I'd just want six Nathan High Marshals I can beat any team around. <clears throat> no trouble at all with you. You're just a workhorse, but... They, they were the eels, and you've got bulldogs. Yeah, well, I was yeah, that's, I was actually a bulldogs fan growing up as a kid. So I, I went to the the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs until I was about uh, sixteen when I began my career, my junior career, the Parramatta Eels. So yeah, always always loved the bulldogs. Always wanted one. Growing up on the farm as a kid, they're not really. I suppose they weren't the best. Wouldn't have been the best <laughs> farm farm dogs. Um, no. Jumping up and down off the back of you would have been an issue, but um, no, I've always loved them. Um, so when I when I had the opportunity to finally get one, when I had a house of my own and a yard for them to to run around, and I I jumped at the chance to get to get a couple. wasn't the easiest <laughs> wasn't the easiest pet to own uh, to begin with. I went, as you would know, Rob. I went through a I went through a couple of them early on with with certain yeah, issues, but a lot um, of problems there. Yeah, mega esophagus, pneumonia. Um, oh, I've had one that had uh, unfortunately had uh, lymphoma. So yeah, I've, I've been through a couple in the last few years, but I've got two sitting under my legs at the moment, snoring their heads <laughs> off, and they've they've lasted me six years at the moment. But they're starting to get nice and nice and lazy. They don't really tend to do much except snore and eat. That's about <laughs> six. They're great at that. They're great at that. And French bulldogs now. Yes, I, I do like a bulldog breed. I don't know what is it what it is about them. They just they're they're just such a you know for me they're they're a great dog for for me to have you know yep. and the kids to have too they're just the British Bulldogs have been the best when the kids were growing up as as babies um, you know they would the, the kids would pull ears pull faces bite faces and the dogs would just lie there and they and they've been great um, they're a little bit heavy for the kids so that's the only that's the only downfall they can't. If the bulldog doesn't want to move, it's not moving until I get <laughs> until, until I get home and I can pick them up and put them put them out where they're supposed to be. Um, and the Frenchies, yeah, I've just I've just gotten into the Frenchies. I've always loved the Frenchies as well. Yeah, good, yeah, got a got a couple of little Frenchies at the moment, as you would know. And yes, yeah, yeah. But I, we we love our dogs. My my wife's always been a, a dog lover. My kids have you know have, have had dogs since since they've been you know on this earth. So yeah, and I grew I grew up with dogs. A little bit different. Growing up in the on a dairy farm to growing up in in the middle of Western Sydney, you know, obviously what dogs are doing and how they get looked after. I found it quite strange that when I first started seeing my my, my partner now my wife that she would allow a dog to stay inside at night. And that that was that was. Well, growing up on a farm, you just didn't do that. Um, there was no Correct. dogs in the house, that type of stuff. So I I had to learn to understand that you know. Things had to change, and we we're allowed yeah. to have dogs in the house. And you know, all of a sudden, they had a dog in the bed. And now I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, you know, wherever they tend to fall asleep, they fall asleep. And but you're just, you're just a softy with your dogs. I've seen it. <laughs> oh no, I am a softy with my dogs. And I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not good, but but they do know who they, they're not. They don't pull the wool over my eyes. These these ones here, they they do know who the boss is. And I think that's every time yeah. I seem to go yeah. away, something happens. So yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much for coming on the doggy pod and talking to us. And, That's uh, okay. That's all right. I've just seen my my little piglet, my little Frenchie. She's just walked in the door. Oh, good. So she's looking. She's looking outstanding. She is oh, wonderful. Wonderful. 
Thank you very much, Nathan. Talk to you soon. Thank you, mate. No worries at all. Thanks for having me on this. Okay, it's time now for the answer to our quiz question from earlier on. And that was, how tall was the tallest dog in the world? Mm. It was a Great Dane. How tall was this Great Dane, Robin? What was his name? Or her name? No, I think it's a him. He he overtook Freddie. Freddie was the tallest dog uh, till 2011. Freddie was 103.5 centimetres. That's 3 foot 4.75 inches in the old scale. And uh, Zeus overtook the 103.5 centimetres by quite a way, and it's 111 centimetres. That's a small horse. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. He was a tall boy. Zeus also was, they were both Great Danes, and uh, they grew very, very tall. Okay, everybody, thank you for listening. That's the end of our show for this week. And remember... Everyone thinks they have the best dog. And you know what? None of them are wrong. You do own the best dog. So don't forget to give him a big hug tonight. Yes, so true, so true. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.